Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. So, football podcast. Uh, figured it was it was time. think we were due for one, especially with basketball not playing. Um, seems like the dust has settled on, on signing day, the coaching carousel. So we can start to start to get some of those pre-spring football podcasts out. So we'll have we'll have a few, and and as we like to do in the off season, we'll try to field questions as much as we can, uh, so that you guys can drive the show and we can talk about what you want us to talk about. So feel free to to weigh in. I usually post the question on Twitter underscore Zach Shaw. Uh, so feel free to shoot me a DM or reply to the tweet and. For the most part, we'll talk about it, even if it's brief, even if we don't have a ton to say, we'll still we'll still mention it. So got a few questions. But before we get to that, the Michigan football team's 2021 schedule, it was already out and the opponents stayed the same, but they did revise it. The Big Ten, uh, it seemed like mostly shuffling some games. There was talk that they might do more. I'll get to that in a moment. But but Michigan's 12 game schedule is out same non-conference opponents at least for now obviously that can change the whole thing can change this is the big tens what third revised schedule announcement show in five months so certainly subject to change but still steve you saw the schedule uh really it's just those four middle games they got shuffled around for i i think i had read nebraska was in a situation where it was going to have to play five straight road games. So that, that might be, might've been the big thing. Uh, but you know, Michigan state officially going to be a road game got moved from the 16th to, to the 30th. Indiana got bumped from, I believe the 6th of October, 16th of October to the 30th of October. That might be a, an important part of the date. Uh, Indiana got bumped back. That's going to be a home game because they had initially was going to be a road game, but they switched both of those games locations last year. If you're still with me, they're also hosting Northwestern that got moved uh, just a couple weeks away. And then, and then Nebraska, a road game. First time they've played Nebraska since 2017 or 2018, I guess uh, that got moved up a couple weeks. So not a ton has changed, but, but Steve, your thoughts on the schedule revision or just the schedule overall. So like I said before the show, we were talking a little bit about before the show, Michigan's really lucky that Nebraska still kind of stinks because otherwise the schedule would be brutal. Back to back road games at Wisconsin at Nebraska, given that it'll be in October, you almost have to assume that one or two of those games will be at night. I got to think Nebraska will try to make that a night game and it'll become the big hyped road game of the or big hyped home game of the year for them, which Michigan seems to at least be that road opponent, at least once, if not twice every year against like a lesser sometimes opponent. like four times. Yeah. yeah, You know, so, um, you know, that was my initial reaction. Yeah. I think it's more than fair to re- kind of re-switch those Indiana, Michigan state games, uh, the locations and stuff, but uh, obviously November looks different than it normally would because of Indiana looking like a legit team going forward. Uh you know, Ohio State at home to end the year. But, yeah, pretty much it. I mean, we'll see. Northwestern's been very uh, bipolar or whatever. I don't know how you want to describe 
uh, up and down, maybe a more simple term, but you know, we'll see if they'll be as good as they were uh, last year, this upcoming season. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, it starts out. I don't know. You know, it's just like I said, my biggest reaction is like, they're just lucky Nebraska's not, hasn't really turned the corner under Scott Frost because otherwise it would be brutal. And I, like you said, you know, Michigan's kind of been stuck having to play Wisconsin every single year. And once that goes away, maybe the schedule won't look as, as rough. Uh, conference schedule won't look as difficult every season. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really the thing is if, if you swapped out Wisconsin for, not to disparage any particular team, but let's go with Illinois. Suddenly the schedule, I mean, you're thinking they have a very good chance of starting five and oh, six and oh, maybe even seven and oh, eight and oh. And, and suddenly you're kind of looking like, Oh, they could sneak in 10 wins, but, but the Wisconsin game, I know they're two and three against Wisconsin. So it's not like it's been, it's not like Michigan's been Wisconsin's punching bag, but the last two games have just really not looked like Michigan was even uh, in the same game as as the Badgers and so uh that that'll be an early road test October 2nd and yeah that's in Nebraska and Northwestern are probably the and you could throw Michigan State and Indiana in there those, those are kind of the swing games don't know exactly what those teams will look like next year lot the the recruiting rankings my general sense you know when I go position by position I'm inclined to think Michigan would be favorite in all four of those games same time they lost to Michigan State and Indiana this past season so um gonna be another tough schedule again if you're playing Penn State Wisconsin and Ohio State every single year then um your your schedule is always going to be one of the top five toughest schedules in the country uh so yeah it's going to be tough I I do think Long run, it was good for Michigan to stop having years where they would travel to Michigan State and Ohio State in the same year and host them in the same year. I think that's more of a ticket sales debate and and something that maybe maybe the diehards care about. Um, and in the end, you still have to be better than the team that you're playing. It's it's not magic when you're playing at home, but not too much. From, from Michigan's end, I, I did like, I, I don't know if you saw this, Steve, the Big Ten uh, opening week, Labor Day weekend, provided the schedule doesn't need to be changed or modified. A lot of fun matchups in that in that first weekend. It's going to be Wisconsin, Penn State, Indiana, Iowa, Ohio State, Minnesota, and then Michigan State, Northwestern. I mean, a couple of those might not be top 25 matchups, but to, to start your entire season off, with four legitimate Big Ten games, that'll be that'll be pretty cool. Um, you know, we'll see kind of what the world looks like then. But if there's fans in the stands and and you know there's a little bit more of an of an atmosphere around these games, that could be a really really fun weekend uh, in Big Ten country. But yeah, not too much changed for Michigan. The Washington game, I know. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Steve. I, I'm a little dubious of it. I'm curious how that series is going to look because I assume if Washington is going to travel to Michigan to play a game. It will come with some guarantee that there will be a game where Michigan travels to Washington. <laughs> like, you know, I think, I don't think, um, I don't think Washington's going to agree to a, a one-off with last year's game being canceled. So we'll see if they find a second game and, and end up keeping that series going. I like it. I know the fans 
feel like Michigan should play nobody in non-conference play and just um, kind of play, basically make the season about winning the Big Ten title and and that will be enough for the playoff. Um, I can see both sides of it. Anyway, that is the schedule. There's a story online over at 24-7 Sports that has the full schedule uh, in, along with some additional thoughts or, or notes. But pretty balanced schedule. They only play... I mean, it's seven home games by week right in the middle uh, after six games. So we'll see. Michigan's going to have to to make a lot, of, a lot of progress to get through that schedule, though. Road games at Wisconsin and Penn State. Home game against Ohio State. You mentioned Indiana. Uh, a couple of those other games could be, could be interesting. But let's talk about Michigan and the progress they had to make. So we fielded some questions. I don't know if there's a particular one that you want to start with, but I, there's one that stood out to me that can maybe get the discussion going. Uh, Brian Kress asked, does the overhaul of the coaching staff point to issues that could have hampered the program the past few seasons, or is it simply a need for fresh eyes in the program? So they hired five new assistant coaches by now. I'm sure you've heard our discussions of them. Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator, George Hilo, safeties coach, um, co-defensive coordinator, cornerbacks coach, Mo Linguist, uh, Ron Bellamy, the receivers coach, and then Mike Hart, the running backs coach. So I don't think it's quite as deep as Brian is is asking about. I, I think, honestly, like they they needed some fresh new coaches, They they but they also had coaches that made a lot of sense as hires. I don't think they could really justify bringing back um, the defensive coaches based on the the on-field performance of play. I mean, you would have to have made a lot of excuses, and I don't think the fans really want to hear excuses from the the administration or, or the program. And so that that wasn't too surprising. Maybe a bit more surprising was an effective, you know, Warner for, for Bellamy trade, but um, yeah, I think Ward Manuel kind of talked about it. He said he feels... He feels really good. He felt like the timing was perfect for both Bellamy and Hart. I mean, they're both they're both reaching that point in their careers where it makes total sense for them to, as they have both said, come home uh, to to Michigan. So, Steve, I don't think it's quite that deep. I do think the fresh eyes is a is a nice blend. I, I think they had to make changes because they weren't any good. They were two and four, and and kind of frankly lucky to be two and four. Um, so in that sense there was an over overhaul, but I don't, I don't think the coaches were, I guess I don't, I don't think it's quite as deep as Brian thinks. What, what are your thoughts? I think, uh, I think from a actual coaching and team standpoint, it's something we really can't answer yet because we haven't seen true how the, how the team has reacted on the field, like, you know, the excitement or if there's a different energy there recruiting, we can already tell a massive difference. Um, not to direct the discussion in that direction, but still, it's really the only thing we can go off of right now. And it has been uh, night and day, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, uh, as far as how this staff is recruiting right now. So <clears throat> I think the fresh eyes is probably a, a really good way to put it. I think if the question is, is this something Michigan could or should have done like two years ago? I don't necessarily think you can, go that direction. Right. I'm, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody expected 
what happened this season to to happen. I don't think they expected Michigan to lay this big of an egg. I mean, literally yeah. three three months ago, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but but like Zordich, we were talking about him as this amazing developer of talent. And and um, you know, Ed Warner, same deal. Uh, you know, I don't think there was anybody that was like, they gotta go. And and Don Brown, I think you and I both started to kind of say that toward the end of the 2019 season, like, okay, maybe this, this ship has run its course, uh, might be time for a fresh start, but I don't think just like, I don't think the new staff is going to miraculously make Michigan a top five team. I mean, it's, it's going to be a step-by-step process. I don't think the coaching staff was really dragging Michigan down. I don't think Ben McDaniels was the other coach that, that they parted ways with. Um, and you know, so, so I don't think like that's why they went two and four. I do think there is a value in fresh eyes though. And a, and a younger staff. And then as we've already seen, and I know you'll talk about it on this recruiting podcast. Um, clearly this, this was a catalyst for improved recruiting, especially it seems like on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. No. So that's, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, we're feels like, you know, like like I said, talk about the recruiting aspect, but this also feels like a concerted effort to kind of energize the culture in the locker room a little bit too. Um, but again, those are those are answers that we won't really be able to kind of get a grip on until, I mean, at the very earliest the spring. But even then, I don't think we'll have a full idea. You know, so um, yeah, I don't like. Yeah, I just say 2020 was so wacky for Michigan. It's just hard to say, well, they should maybe they should have made all these changes uh, last offseason. You know, it's because I don't think, like I said, I don't, nobody was predicting them to not just go two and four, but to, to it was a bad two and four. Uh, you know, so, right. Yeah, you know, I just, it's easy to 2020, hindsight 2020, right? But I, I just, I don't know. So, Definitely yeah. needed, definitely needed a turnaround or a, or a shot in the arm on the recruiting trail, though, for sure. And you're already mm-hmm. seeing it. So, and you know, we've we've talked about it. Some of these coaches, I mean, there is a high ceiling here. Mike Hart was starting to kind of emerge as someone that Power Five schools were kind of like, oh, could he be an offensive coordinator? Could he, you know, could he do this? Could he do that? Uh, Ron Bellamy. Michigan is his alma mater. I can't say this with absolute certainty. I feel like someone was going to hire him at some point, though, uh, with all of his expertise. Read a, an Alabama.com article, so not even necessarily related to the schools that that Hilo and McDonald and Linguist worked at. All three were mentioned as rising stars that could find their way to SEC programs soon, um, you know, in terms of being coordinators. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's you mentioned the recruiting side and I think even on field, they needed something different whether, you know, this is a very young staff, only one assistant over 40 uh, and Brian Jean Marie. So it's a young staff. I guess we'll see how it goes, but it, it does seem like a staff that has a lot of potential to really get more out of, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, get more out of the players that they have. And speaking of defense, I lot of lot of things we don't know yet that we will know very quickly into spring ball. But JTOG X asked if Michigan does want to run a three four, what personnel would make sense? 
uh, i.e. who's playing outside linebacker, three tech, etc. Kind of, I, Steve, I know it's not your favorite question because we really don't know. There's no answer I can give you that is that is a certainty um, or whatever. But But kind of briefly looking at, we can start on the defensive line. I actually feel like, you know, the, the return of Aiden Hutchinson is is really helps bridge the gap for Michigan because I do think someone like a Hutchinson or Julius Welshoff, I feel like I feel like those bigger defensive ends who could still get pushed. I mean, I feel like they actually do fit an odd man front uh, rather well. And then obviously you have Hinton, you have Jeter, uh, presumably. I, I, know, I don't know exactly what his plans are for his fifth year, but... Um, uh, Jeter's coming back. Yeah, I know MLive had reported that. Oh, is and that not so, official yet? I just, I just went off of that. So, yeah, not not a fit. I mean, they're, they're not really doing all those announcements like they, like they have yeah. in the past. Other schools are. I don't know if Michigan players seem to be. You almost have to be like announced as part of the Shrine Bowl to confirm that you're not going to be around. Uh, but does feel like they have at least a two deep. Uh, in in that defensive line, your your thoughts? I mean, switching to an odd man front, I think it actually quietly kind of helps Michigan's defensive tackle concerns. Uh, simply cutting in half the amount of de- starting defensive tackles they might need. <laughs> that's, that's, no, I mean you're 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 right. I mean that's exactly what it does. Uh, you think even on the edge though, like you said, Aiden Hutchinson coming back. I think yeah, like you said, I think Welshoff is a better fit in that type of system. Uh, Upshaw. Right, I mean, they 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 feel relatively deep now to an extent. Uh, you know, I think guys like younger guys. This would be interesting. These would be the guys that fit wise up front, like a guy like Gabe Newberg, who I know they they've been pretty high on. He got some a decent amount of playing time at the end of the year last year. Uh, does Chris Jenkins take a step forward in his second season? He's kind of that twenty twenty kid that I think Michigan, uh, at least the former staff. Uh, very high on as a guy in the mm-hmm. middle, Mozzie Smith, you know, I mean, so they all of a sudden, yeah, you're right though. I mean, and it's, it's just true. I mean, there's less D linemen that are going to uh, presume it. We're pre- presuming it's a base three, four. Yes. You know, yeah. that, well, that, that's what they're recruiting towards right now. And so that's the best indication that they're at least going to run it at some, that to some extent uh, that it does, it, it, it kind of makes things a, a little bit easier you know, the biggest question that like, we talked about a little bit before we got on is at the linebacker spot mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I tend to believe that a, a guy like, and we were expecting him to maybe break out a little bit more in 2020, but I, I think this helps a guy like David Ojabo. Yes. Well, um, you know, the, I think, I think you had mentioned the guys who were kind of playing that Sam spot will just be, straight up linebackers or outside linebackers. Jalen Harrell, another guy. Right. So those guys seem to have the potential to fit. Biggest question will be, you know, who we talked about this a little bit before is, is that Viper spot? You know, I think Michael Barrett still is a guy that can play linebacker in the system. Mm -hmm. Uh, Question will be guys like Anthony Solomon, Mohan, you know, guys who are a little bit more predicated on speed at that Viper spot and aren't necessarily uh, the biggest guys, you know, I think that'll really be not worried about a guy like Mullings. I think Mullings is still just a college linebacker size guy. Like they, you know, he's a guy I think will find a role. Uh, Hill green also, 
you know, Hill Green's a guy I think they feel like can play in coverage a little bit, which is going to be even more important for linebackers uh, in the outside, especially. So, you know, I think that's going to be kind of the interesting deal, uh, but it'll really be, and it has, it's kind of what we talked about before. The Viper spot will be the most interesting with Solomon Mohan, kind of the two guys that I I'm most interested to see what kind of role they can carve out, you know, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the Viper position is the part that as soon as spring ball happens, we'll very quickly find out. Cause if you start hearing guys have moved to safety or, I mean, this isn't to project anything, but because it is a reality in college football, if someone hits the transfer portal, well then, you know, that might, those might be some clues. Uh, or, or if you hear such linebacker has added 15 pounds to his frame, uh, that might be a sign that they're trying to kind of mold a Viper into a more traditional linebacker. Uh, the other, the other part that I'm very curious about is, is Michigan has a number of, I don't want to say undersized because they're a lot bigger than me. Like they're still big guys. I think they would still be uh, big enough for the traditional defensive end, but you know, kind of thinking about some of those 250 pound defensive ends that they have on their team. Uh, you know, someone like potentially maybe Braden McGregor, six, five, two sixty, maybe Luigi Villain, six, four, two fifty three. Those are defensive end sized players. And I, I would assume they would play, on the defensive line. But if you do look around in the, the NFL, think about what they did with Rashawn Gary with the green Bay Packers. They moved him to outside linebacker. Um, you know, there's, there's been a few, if I had written it down before I started the show, I'd be able to list them, but a lot of, you know, really um, stellar big 10 defensive ends. And, and I assume this is true in other conferences uh, have moved kind of to the outside linebacker role where they're, Maybe a little bit bigger on the position. They, they you know, dropping into coverage might not be necessarily the the optimal situation, but uh, kind of you know trim a little bit, shed a little bit of weight, be a little quicker on your feet, and suddenly you're you're an outside linebacker. And so it will be telling. It will, it will be interesting to see how different players adjust because it is, in some sense, it's not that big of a deal. They still need kind of the same stuff from players, but, but just a couple position groups uh, might be under the microscope during spring ball in terms of will, will anybody switch? Definitely think just off time, just as, it, it, just as we said, suddenly their defensive tackle problems are not quite as big of a deal because they at least have a couple. I mean, they have some depth, I guess they have two or three guys that they might feel comfortable playing in some, some key high leverage snaps. Suddenly that linebacker position, and I know they've poked their head in the in the transfer portal a few times. Uh, is is that a position where they are really needing someone to step up? I mean, the starting lineup at this point would be Josh Ross, Michael Barrett, I assume Kalel Mullings, and then and then maybe Ajabo. I, I'm not sure exactly what, what direction they would go, uh, but I know our national team listed Junior Colson as someone who could play right away because of the need at linebacker. So Steve, just real quick, your thoughts on uh, how, how big of a need is finding either in the portal in an incoming freshman or maybe a positional convert or, or, you know, a project this off season, how critical is it for Michigan to find one or two, or maybe even three linebackers? 
Yeah, so it's the flip side of the defensive line, right? Because we were going into last season, we talked about how deep they were at linebacker. Right. Uh, Nikai Hill Green, another guy again to True. kind yep. of keep an eye on there. Um, I do think it would be prudent for them to scour the portal for a quality linebacker, and I think they're doing so. We'll see if that gets them anywhere. And we've talked a little bit about the extra hurdles Michigan seems to have to clear with these guys that a lot of other schools don't. So always something to kind of keep in mind when discussing the portal. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's some urgency there. Colson will be interesting. I think he does fit that he's big enough, you know, to where, yes, they were kind of recruiting him as a Viper, but I think he's he totally fits in a 3-4 as well. Uh because he's a he's six three six four, and he's hmm. got a lot of room to put a lot of weight on. Uh, so, and is really athletic. So I don't. But and <clears throat> that piece, I, I was the one that picked Junior Colson as Michigan's. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I, well, it was tough. I mean, with with Worthy not enrolling early, I think he'd have been the uh, the pick otherwise, or McCarthy. But I went with Colson just actually partially because there may be a need there. Um, but otherwise. Yeah, I think the 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 question, like I said, will be, you know, those two guys we talked about already, Solomon and Mohan. Are those can those guys develop into linebackers in this system? That would go a long way in alleviating any potential issues that Michigan might have at the position, right? Or Van Sumeren even. Yes, I was going to say I forgot to mention him. What's he going to, you know, how are they going to utilize him? You know, he's another one. So. It, I think it is a little bit of a concern, but there are guys, you know, and, and guys that, again, I know it's the former defensive staff and they, there was some tendency to hype some young players up and then we'd never see them. Mm. But, you know, I do think there are tangible skills for, you know, Mohan was a kid that on film looked like a four-star prospect. Right. So it's, you know, to me, it's just a matter of, can they carve a niche out for these guys? If so, like I said, I think it'll go a long way in, in easing the transition at the position. I still, though, yeah, I still think the portal is a smart route to go just for some extra cushion there. You know, maybe get somebody with some experience in a system like that, mm-hmm. you know, that you can bring in, plug and play for a year while you, A, get the guys on your roster a year to digest, and B, as you try to recruit, kids in the 2022 class, you know, that will be fits for that system. Speaking of the portal, uh, our next question comes from Ryan McGraw says any good chances with transfers other than Lance Dixon. So you mentioned it. I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this constantly being used as like, like it's, it's become a little bit of a meme uh, you know, talking about how difficult Michigan admissions are for transfers. And and the key distinction here is that it's not necessarily being accepted to transfer into Michigan. It's more the amount of credits that are being able to be transferred. And this was, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, Nojel Eastern's issue with, with Michigan this past summer, transferring from Purdue to Michigan. I mean, he had, he had good grades. He, he had, I mean, he academically qualified but because Michigan's certain departments and programs, uh, well, they don't want people just transferring in academically the last year to get a degree. Uh, they, they try to be a little particular about how many credits can transfer over. And, and I have actually have friends who have had this issue too, where they lost 15 credits 
uh, if they if they transferred to Michigan, and that for them that's like basically a semester of tuition uh, that they just spent that is like down the drain. And for players, it's not the financial part isn't the issue. It's more, well, another school is going to let me graduate a semester earlier, or uh, you know, another school is going because NCAA has rules about how far into your degree you have to be by your sophomore, junior, and in some cases your fourth year. Uh, and so that's that's another component is it's not necessarily Michigan being like, no way, you can't transfer here. Although maybe that happens. I My understanding is that it's more the credits not transferring or being able to apply uh, in their progress toward a Michigan degree that would be the, the hang-up, whereas other schools, perhaps it does. So it's definitely made it tougher on Michigan. I mean, you, you know, you, you hear about Michigan pursuing such and such player, and then suddenly they are not pursuing such and such player. And so um, it's it's a hurdle to, to, to be sure. Steve, any players, I know Dixon has been really heavily linked. Any other players that are, that are really, um, I, I know we've had VIP reports that Michigan is going after this player, that player. Any other player where there seems to be legitimate traction that you can think of? Uh, I mean, a couple guys... Momo Diallo, the Central Michigan defensive tackle. He had nine and a half tackles for loss last season. Yes, is that, in like yeah, five like, games. I think it was like right, five, right? right. First team all-MAC player. Some familiarity with Mo Linguist as Diallo actually originally committed to Texas A&M. Um, I, think, I think he was there for a season. I don't know. I think he was redshirted. But either way, my thought on that one is if Michigan does take him, he must be pretty good. They've had – you know, they have a good relationship with Jim McElwain and the Central Michigan program. Right. I don't believe, you know, there'd be as about as solid of intel as you could imagine uh, between those two programs as far as can this guy play is, in Michigan or not. Um, does McElwain, I thought he had a either a kid or a family member that was his son actually. The, his son is the, what is he now? He just got promoted at Michigan to something. He's either the assistant recruiting coordinator or director of scouting or something like that. He's and obviously the Mike Dana connection as well. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think you're, you're onto something there that that's there. There's clear, honest communication between the programs. Yes. My, and the other thing too, and like this might seem self-explanatory, but I promise you it, it's not. I really, Michigan is deaf of one of the schools that, and I think this probably goes for most big programs, but sometimes you see it happen where you'll take a transfer and they're Michigan's only going to take a guy. If they really think that the kid can help them on the field, like next season, this is not a, I think they've had a couple that they've taken in the past that maybe weren't, you know, big time impact type guys. But I think now they're only going to move on a guy unless they really, unless they expect that player to play. So you know, that might be another reason why you see people like, oh, how come they're not going after this guy? Or they talked to this guy and he did, he ended up somewhere else. Um, they're pretty picky in the portal. I think they should be because there are – it's easy to maybe fall for a guy who was like a former top recruit, something like that, right? Well, so, and, and usually if you take a transfer in, and I don't mean this – I don't mean to sound too cynical, but like probably means someone on Michigan's team is going to look around and be like, well, hold on, that's my spot. And, and they might, now that it's a lot easier to transfer uh, without the eligibility sit out or, or however you want to phrase it, they might look around and be like, oh, maybe I should transfer. So in effect, this sounds very blunt. Uh, I don't 
it sounds like a harsh thing to say, but like when you take a transfer in, in some cases it will be interpreted as effectively a trade for a player that you already have. So yeah, you do, you don't want to go sight unseen. You don't want to have someone that you don't either know somebody or haven't personally evaluated and worked with the player. And then, yeah, you don't want someone who put up great numbers at a, I guess a a group of five school that's suddenly going to come to Michigan and be like third or fourth string because otherwise what was, what was all that for? Yep. So, so Momo, yeah. Diallo, um, another guy, unless he's because I haven't, I was gone for a few days and I know some stuff happened, but uh, Mike Jones out of Clemson linebackers, another guy that, Mm. They appear to have Who? legitimate. Yeah, I know. I was waiting for. I was waiting for you to say that. Um, I don't remember the phone number. You can look it up online. <laughs> uh, but another guy that it seems like there's some legitimate interest in, and then Lance Dixon. It kind of feels like the Tennessee s- situation has quieted down as far as To'o To'o Kavars Crouch. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure. Haven't heard anything about what those guys are doing, but not something we've heard about, you know, in a, in a couple of weeks or so. So those are the first three guys that kind of pop into mind. Um, I also, I, uh, there's one other guy maybe keep an eye on, and that's another one I haven't heard anything on lately. Maybe check on is CJ Thorpe, uh, Penn state transfer who actually played offensive line at Penn state, but I know hmm. Michigan was talking to him about playing defensive tackle. Um, okay. Which he was, I'm not sure if Michigan recruited. I don't think they recruited him at defensive tackle out of high school, but there were schools that did. Uh, I know a couple people that believe Thorpe is, has a higher ceiling at defensive tackle than he does on the offensive line. So that's another name to maybe keep in the back pocket. But uh, otherwise, you know, none of, nobody else that's really like popping way out right now or necessarily. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard because these things will happen quick, and and I mean a lot of that. Nowadays, this year especially, it seems like players hit the portal and within like a week, they've already committed. And maybe that's um, because there's no visits or, you know, it's not going to be like this whole courtship process. Maybe it's players kind of knowing what they're looking for before they even hit the portal. Uh, But yeah, it it happens quick. And so I'm looking at the list of uh, 24-7 does a great job with, with a transfer portal database. I mean... every player is there um, to say the least. And so you can kind of look through, but a lot of the top players have kind of already committed. Uh, I know, I know 24 seven is going to do transfer portal player rankings. Now that recruiting's over that, that might be one of their next projects at a national level. Uh, And that's, that's always fun as well. Positions though, Steve, I, I got to think we just mentioned linebacker a couple times. Um, I think defensive line, I, I think you could live without, but you probably do want maybe one more, whether it be a, a Julius Welshoff type who can kind of play uh, yeah. both end and tackle or just a true tackle that's got power for days that's just going to um, help eat space. So linebacker, I feel like, is a top priority. I would feel like defensive line would be the number two priority. And then I would say cornerback I was just and, say, I, I and think, offensive line yeah. might be the two. Well, they took Willie Allen. Right. They already have one, and they are technically returning. I guess we'll see 
uh, what Vistardis does, but they are in line to return a number of starters, uh, even even with Mayfield's departure. But I feel like offensive line, you can never have too much depth. And then cornerback, I feel, I mean, I guess we'll have to see what linguists thinks, uh, you know, upon seeing the cornerbacks in, in fall. But I did feel like the corners got better throughout the season and they are returning everybody. I think so. So I guess that, that one, they might wait and see what they have first, but. And remember people got to also remember the spring, there'll be a whole other wave of guys that enter the portal. Yeah. Not just from Michigan's view, but like also from, yeah, around mid April, you'll probably see hundreds of players at the portal because they'll find out they're not starters. And that's why you gotta be, that's why you have to be totally sold on a guy in my opinion, because you, you, if, if you're, if you're up in the air about maybe we should take a, you know, we could take a transfer at this position or maybe not. It's like, you know, knowing there's another wave of guys that'll enter in the spring. If you feel okay about what you have on the roster, you can at least go into spring ball and say, okay, let's see what we got before we just rush and take a guy, you know, and that's what right. you, you could have a situation where, you know, a DJ Turner, an Andre Selden, a green Warren, you know, emerge in the spring to, True. you know, kind of, or an, even an Amon Dennis or a George Johnson. I keep, you know, I always forget about those guys, but, uh, you know, those guys could emerge as potential players. And then all of a sudden you don't, you know, you didn't really need to take. Yeah. They might be emerging as potential players somewhere else too. Yeah. Yeah. That's that too. But either way you're, you know, that's like I said, I just sometimes some positions, I don't think there's necessarily a rush unless just like with anything else, unless you feel like the roster is far and out, far and away better than it was without this guy on it, you know, taking a borderline guy just because you're unsure about your depth in February may not be the most effective way to roster build. You know, when you, when there is, there's going to be a ton of guys that enter, there might be a bigger rush of players that enter the portal in the spring than there have been in the winter, even though there've already been a ton. So winter. Yes. I do think if just, an educated guess here. I think the caliber of players that will be transferring in the spring might be different. Cause right now you're seeing players who are reacting to coaching changes, reacting to um, like Diallo having a great season, but maybe not playing for a school that's going to maybe wanting to play for a school that has an easier path to the NFL. Like you're seeing more, I think you're seeing more of like the top shelf recruits. Now I think what you'll see in the spring I mean, in terms of what's applicable to Michigan is the number three cornerback at a very good program. I mean, I I, I think it'd be more guys who weren't in line to start. So I agree with you. You still need to keep your eye out because you don't know who's going to, you never know what's going to happen. But I do think I, that's, that's my educated guess. I think in the spring, it's going to be more depth guys. And so that's why I'd say for linebacker, um, plus you do want to coach the players. I mean, that's 15 practices. You can coach a player in the spring ball. And so maybe now would be the time to get a starter. In my opinion, if, if there is one out there, um, don't, don't, don't swing at a bad pitch, right? If it's not a for sure guy, who's going to make an instant impact. I agree with you. 
but I, I don't know. I don't know about you. I, I don't imagine a starter caliber player is going to hit the portal in the spring unless there's some unique circumstance surrounding Co- their counterpoint. situation. Counterpoint. Okay. With the massive, like so many programs around the country are making coaching changes like at a faster rate. You may sure. have you. There may be a few more guys out there each off season that, well, we're talking about how Michigan is changing their defensive system up. Yep. I would imagine a lot of programs around the country are going to be running new offenses, new defenses. So there might still be guys out there in the spring that, you know, like, a, like let's just say it was a Welsh off type guy, maybe wasn't a great fit in a four, three at a certain program. All of a sudden is a, you know, is a great fit in a three, four, you know? So I think that's where you might be able to exploit the portal, even in the spring, you know, as far as, yeah, you're not going to find like a, I don't think you'll find a stud type player necessarily, but you might be able to find a guy that'll play for you just because he's not a fit in whatever new defensive or offensive system he's been kind of burdened with, or has had to, you know, kind of figure out at his old program. True. And that's a good point. Everybody who's played sports has had coaches. And and even if it's not like a, a, a X's and O's fit, Every player, every person who's ever played a sport has had coaches that they really fit with and they clicked with, they liked, and then they've had coaches that they did not fit with or click with or like, and it just didn't see eye to eye with them. And so um, with the lack of uh, sitting out a year, now players who don't like a coach, and I, I say that that's oversimplifying the situation, but who don't fit well with the coach, can hit the portal and maybe maybe there is a fit maybe there is something like like linguist tied to minnesota and texas a&m uh in terms of cur- current players that are still on the team maybe maybe they feel like they would fit better with linguist or it's or it's another coach that recruited them a few years ago that they're like well you know let's see what let's see what they're doing with the new odd man front over at michigan something like that so Definitely worth keeping an eye on. We'll obviously have updates on the portal as as the offseason progresses. We're going to hit a quick break. Got two more questions on the other side. One about quarterback, the other about recruiting. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back. Thanks for waiting. Let's get back to it. Steve, next question. Uh, <laughs> this one comes from Dot or period. Uh, their their actual Twitter handle is rather inappropriate, but uh, <laughs> JJ McCarthy to seriously contend for the starting QB spot this spring slash fall. Man, QB is, I have way more questions than I have answers about, about the quarterback position. I mean, the, the, you know, it's just Jim Harbaugh's show now. I assume Josh Gaddis will continue to be involved, uh, but he's not a quarterback's coach. He's more receiver's coach. Uh, he's just really offensive coordinator at this point. But Ben McDaniels is no longer the quarterback's coach. And then Joe Milton, Cade McNamara, really hard to evaluate their seasons because they both had injuries. Um, sounds like 
Milton's was more serious than than we ever publicly heard from Michigan. And then McNamara uh, was injured as well. I got to think McCarthy's going to get as much of a shot as a true freshman ever has as, under Jim Harbaugh. And I, I, I think that's kind of the, I mean, duh, he's, he was what the number two, number three quarterback in the country in high school and, and checks all the boxes to play early. You know, he's not, not just a high ceiling develop him five-star. I mean, he's a five-star in that a lot of it's already there. So Steve, I, I think he'll contend. I don't know if I would put him in in pen as the starter, uh, but it's, this is as as interesting of a quarterback battle. I know we say this every year, but this is as interesting of a quarterback battle as as I can remember at Michigan. So is is does JJ get full license and ability to to start? I, I I'm inclined to think yes. But your thoughts? I mean, he's definitely going to get he's going to get a better shot than any true freshman I think they've had under Harbaugh, right? Right. But then right. there's also a huge difference between in the spring and in the fall. I mean, that's a, it's a long time, you know? So yeah. In the spring, they give everybody right. I, I, equal. Yeah. I don't, I don't anticipate that he's going to want that. I mean, cause then you'd almost be basically saying he's the starter right now, you know, cause when you're going to have that, you're going to have a guy taking snaps with the ones on the first day of spring ball. Right. Uh, I don't know if he's walking in as the number one guy, uh, but I mean, I could absolutely foresee a scenario where he comes out of spring as the number one guy. I mean, it's got to be a shot there. You know, he not only was ranked high, but the other thing I always look at, and this is one of the, this was one of the positives on McNamara too, was his high school production. You know, and so I mean, he's, he is he's going to have a shot. I just that's not something. Again, I hate to always answer questions with well, you don't really know right now, but it's it's difficult to answer. I would say this though, I think probably by far he's going to have a better shot than any true freshman that they've had under Harbaugh. Not just because it appears there's more of an opportunity there, but I just, I just think he's the most talented guy they've had at quarterback also. So mm-hmm. uh, as a true freshman. So, you know, I think that plays into it as well, obviously, but uh, yeah, he's, he's going to get, you know, I don't know how that's Harbaugh's thing is, you know, everyone comes in even or whatever. I don't always necessarily buy that <laughs> just because it not because of not saying like Harbaugh's like lying or anything, but like, you know, there's just, it's hard. Yeah. yeah there's guys that have yeah. played and there's the experience factors, all kinds of factors. But I think in this situation, you know, I think McCarthy is going to be in a better position to jump on the number one spot than, than young guys have in the past under Harbaugh. Well, and I do think the circumstance is there for Michigan to truly hit the reset, button, not just at quarterback, I think in a lot of positions, I think a lot of players kind of went into this off season, like kind of looking at the season the same way the fans did. Like, what was that? You know, what was I doing on this play? What was I doing on that play? And, and that's not unique to quarterback, but I, I do think, um, you know, with the injuries, with kind of the, it's almost, it's almost like a wash. It's as close as you'll ever get to having a wash of a season. Um, so yeah, for Milton, McNamara, McCarthy, you know, it's 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 going to be a situation where I think I think the fresh eyes are going to be watching closely, and and everyone's going to be trying to look uh, at it as clean of a slate as possible. But yeah, McCarthy. Well, one thing to keep an eye on is we don't we don't actually know the official injury status 
of McNamara and Milton. I don't know how healthy they are. I just don't. Um, I assume they'll be good to go for spring, but until I until that's official, it's not official, I guess. Uh, and so that might be another component too. Is you know players who are available in the spring get snaps in the spring. So that's the other other component. But yeah, he'll get he'll get a full look. You know, he, not just because he's a five star, but because he was a really 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 good high school football player who earned that five star status and kept it almost wire to wire for for his entire high school career. I mean, he was a five-star when he committed to Michigan when I don't even know if he was legally allowed to drive yet when he committed. So, uh, almost two years ago at this point. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, someone's going to win. And and I, I agree with you. I think I would take all the spring stuff kind of with a grain of salt because it's very different from fall camp and spring camp. It's about equal opportunity. It's about building excitement. It's about, you know, fostering this confidence and, and these position battles in the fall. It's about deciding who's going to help you win. So they, those are two separate battles, but definitely a fair question. Last question here with the 2022 class being so full of DB targets and UM having two in the fold already. What is a realistic number that you could see Michigan taking uh, John, Johnson, Rouser, Tatum, Gould, Powell, and the Unicorn of Jackson, all names I've heard mentioned. Seems like five or six easily. This comes from Jordan Eggleston. This isn't specifically a recruiting podcast, although we will happily talk about it. We do have the recruiting episode where those things get uh, discussed in full once a week. But Steve, your thoughts on the defensive back 2022 recruiting? A lot of potential there, a lot of targets, top targets that they seem to have mutual traction with already that was a really that's you know the uh how many are they going to take question has always been one of my favorites as many people probably know uh this was one of the best ways that somebody's asked it very open-ended um they're going to take a lot of guys i mean i just you know they only signed one cornerback in Jaden mcburrows right so at least at corner i think they're going to take I, you know, again, I don't know, but I was, was that by design only taking one. Do you think not? No, I mean, you know, CR Wright was a kid they loved out of LA. Sure. If, he, if he'd have committed, they'd have taken him. I mean, but it, it was a, I want to say on signing day, just on Wednesday, the second signing day, Dante Balfour, who committed and signed with North Carolina was the only corner in the top 75 in our rankings who had not either committed somewhere or already signed with the vast, vast majority already signed. So slim pickings, you know, that's why hanging on to McBurrows was so important for Michigan because I don't know what they would have, they would have had to take really roll the dice on a, on a prospect if he had flipped to Miami. So, you know, that was big for them, but it it does lend itself to the fact that two things, one, they're going to need to take a lot of guys, but yeah, the flip side is they are in at least striking distance with a lot. Then you get a guy like Cody Jones today as we're recording on Friday, who was not even a name anywhere near Michigan's radar, even a week and a half ago, you know, this is a four-star slot nickel corner, you know? So, I mean, the possible, there's a ton of different possibilities. It'll be really interesting to see how they juggle it. Yeah. I mean, they, I could see him take it. Well, they already got one safety with Groves too. Right. So yeah, I mean, six, I, I don't want to say seven, 
you know, I, but I do, I would say this guys like Cody Jones, Dylan Tatum specifically are like really like true athletes as far as they really could play on either side of the ball. So if Michigan say Michigan was to get Dylan Tatum, I don't think you would see them back off or relent on elite guys at either that inside corner spot or in Tatum's case, probably a safety. You know, I think they'd still go after some big, big names there because those are guys that really could end up playing on offense at the college level. I mean, they're, they're, they're those type of guys. So a lot of value and commitments like that, but yeah, it's just the same names that we've been kind of going on about uh, with, with Will Johnson, obviously being the big one. Um, they're not going to stop on Domani Jackson. I don't think many schools are going to stop. I think a lot of schools are going to keep going there. Uh, Jaden, Jaden Gould is another one that they're still appear to be involved with miles rouser. Things have kind of picked up back on that one a little bit, the safety out of Belleville. So yeah, a lot of possibilities really, and maybe even like more possibilities now uh, with linguists. One of the tougher things in trying to kind of get the board figured out has been of all of these defensive back offers that they've made, which ones are they like really serious about or which guys are they really good? That's why when Groves and Jones both kind of came out of nowhere the other day uh, with Wilt Fong putting in crystal ball, you know, I mean, I, I caught all of us uh, pretty heavily off guard as far as like, not only were they really interested, but that these kids were like big time favoring Michigan. So it's been kind of hard to parse through the rest of the board besides those big names. Uh, so I don't know if they'll wait on a few and see where they get with these bigger names uh, before they move down the board a little bit or how they're going to approach it. That's, you know, we're not familiar with a lot of these guys on the defensive staff and who's a take and who's not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're in a position now they could take six or seven and I don't think it would, you know, I think it would be smart. I think taking four corners would be a very smart move this cycle for sure. Um, you're seeing Ohio state, I think is, has, 11 top 100 receivers either committed or signed in the last five, four or five classes. Uh, not just four stars, top 100 receivers <laughs> uh, to the point where I don't know why another 22 kid would even commit to Ohio state right now uh, with as much depth and, and elite talent as they've stockpiled there. So, you know, you got to stock up on cover guys if you're Michigan. And again, they're in a position where they may be able to do that. So. Well, there you go. I, I don't have anything to add. Uh, so I will leave it at that for Steve Lorenz. I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Check out all of our stories over at the Michigan insider.com Michigan.247sports.com. If you like the podcast, throw us a rating, subscribe, share it with your friends. Let us know too. Uh, you know, appreciate the, appreciate the kind words along the way. We'll see what our next episode is. I, I, I would be inclined to think it'll be a basketball football mix, uh, but you know, we'll have to see how the basketball schedule shakes out and, and obviously uh, how the football news works. Seems like spring football is maybe a month and change away. I guess we'll have to see. Uh, but anyway, stay tuned. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.